Welcome to the Inside Digital Transformation Podcast. Inside Digital Transformation explores how organizations of every size and shape are using technology today to survive and thrive in the face of relentless change. If you are a business or technology leader charged with making the most of digital transformation in your organization, then this podcast is for you. And now here's your host, Alan Bernard, a technology journalist, editor, and copywriter who has been covering the intersection of business and technology for over two decades. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Raul Shaw, an orthopedic spine and neck surgeon and a partner with Premier Orthopedic Associates in New Jersey, about how patients, doctors, and the medical profession writ large can benefit from generative AI. Just using ChatGPT today in its current form, for example, can help shorten the time it takes for doctors to really understand what patients are going through, aid in diagnosis, and streamline after-visit note-taking and record-keeping, all leading to better patient outcomes. All right, Dr. Shaw, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So today we're talking about generative AI, chat GPT, maybe another, you know, the way most people think of it today and how it's being used in healthcare. So I'm kind of curious, are you using it in your practice today? So I have used chat GPT a fair bit and I use it in my practice from time to time. I find that it is something that is a very interesting tool because it's a lot about how to guide the tool to be able to help you where things ought to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, I, and I've, I've experimented with it in a couple of different ways to be able to understand where and how things might occur within my, my field of practice. Okay. So to be, to be clear, I'm a, I'm a spine surgeon. All I do is spine surgery. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty scary topic for most people, as you can imagine, right? I actually, so, I know firsthand. Actually, oh, okay. yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Right? I mean, it's a it's 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 a difficult situation. First of all, you have to trust somebody to be able to turn over what you're feeling, have them be clear that they understand what you're going through, then work through those areas that potentially some things can overlap and mimic, where one thing might be similar to something else, and therefore. For many people, Dr. Google becomes a very important tool. And which dangerous tool, actually. Yeah, important. Right? And, and, and things that are important can often be dangerous as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And so people use this because, look, at the end of the day, if you have a problem with your back or neck, your goal is to get better. That's it. You want to be able to enjoy your life, get the function that you want. And <clears throat> But because there's so much fear and so much uncertainty and so much overlap where one thing can represent something else. Now you say one thing, you're talking about symptoms, right? It correct. Could, exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm feeling this in my hand, is it my hand or is it my arm? Is it my arm mm-hmm. or is it my neck? Or is it a combination yeah. of both? And so, and so because of that, and because you can't see the spine, for example, but you can mm-hmm. definitely see your hand, there is another level of this doesn't make sense that's going on. Right. And so all of that makes spine surgery such a such a area that has such impact on people and such a area where mm-hmm. people want to be able to get a grasp or handle about what's going on. And so mm-hmm. with that as a background, yeah. the way I've used chat GPT is in a couple of ways. One of the ways I've tried to use it is I put in a bunch of symptoms. And because you don't know what's important and what 
it's not important when it comes to someone's neck or back, unless you do this all day, you sometimes feel as though you're rambling about things that may or may not be important as a patient. And because you can't see everything, it's hard to know if the physician or the provider that's listening to you is actually getting it. Mm, So I put in random symptoms that are related, but don't necessarily make sense to somebody. And I put them into chat GPT. And you know what? It did a great job of summarizing it. Not with coming up with the diagnosis. No, but just actually summarizing what's going on. Because one of the difficulties is being able to connect Mm -hmm. with the people that you're seeing. So let me see if I understand. So I, the patient, are sitting across from you, and I'm trying to explain what's going on. And uh, I'm nervous. I'm upset. Uh, right. You know, the, you have the, what's it called? A white coat syndrome. A lot of people have that where they sit in the doctor's office and their blood pressure spikes and right. right. And so, and they have a hard time. And of course, stop me when I'm wrong, but they have a hard time really conveying to you with any kind of clarity, what it is they're experiencing. Right. And by the way, our, they hurt. So that okay. also grabs their attention. So not only are all these other things that you're talking about, which are absolutely true. Okay. But at the same time, I'm asking you, the patient, to perform and tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. But how can you do such a perfect job? Now, I'm, I'm blown away by how many people do such a perfect job. But in that realm, how can you do such a great job if you are your attention is grabbed by the fact that your neck hurts, then your arm hurts, then your pinky hurts, then it goes into my shoulder blade. And now sometimes I get these headaches. And, you know, when I turn this way, I kind of seize up. And I always want to try and do this type of work to try and get it out. And I don't even know what words to use to describe mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, and that's then, a good point, right? Yeah. What terminology? It hurts here. And you kind of point yeah. and give a general sort of, right? It could be 20 things, right? Correct. And then on top of that, I'm asking you what kind of pain you have. And you say, you know what? It's a it's it's a cold water fire pain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. But you know right. what? It does to you because that's what you experience right. when nerves hurt, they hurt. And they don't follow the language mm-hmm. that we think is mutually exclusive or 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 complementary. It's it's like a weird description. And by the way, I have to ask you these questions because I have to prove to the insurance company that I talked to you. Hmm. So this- Well, I mean, also you want to diagnose me, I assume. I get it. (laughs) I assume that's in the mix as well. Alan, here's the the truth. There is no difference in nerve pain that your burning fires, my pins and needles, and somebody else is stabbing. And it doesn't necessarily make a significant difference in terms of diagnosis in general- I'm just trying to understand where your pain is. But okay. if I don't have these adge- if I don't have these ad- adjectives uh, or these yeah. descriptors, then I am oftentimes held to the standard of how come you didn't really ask about the pain? By and the insurance you know, company. Interesting. Correct. Interesting. So, okay. So, so this is where language plays such a massive role in what is otherwise a surgical specialty. Right. So <clears throat> so the patient then, let's let's bring it back. So so if you get from the patient what? So if they go to chat GPT, they put in a whole 20 symptoms, say, or whatever number yes. you right. Yes. And then chat GP and, and they ask Chat GP, for example, to summarize those symptoms yes. and, and put it into a narrative form. Give me a paragraph mm-hmm. of that. Okay. Correct. 
And then, you know, it sounds like they can just kind of hand you that or read that to you or Correct. How, how does that, how does it get used after you do that stuff? What the, what the, what chat GPT does is it takes areas that may be disparate sounding and connects them together to form a cohesive story. For example, if I say, I heard over here, and then by the way, I was in a car accident when I was 12, and I sometimes get this discomfort around the time um, I get stressed for tests, and uh, I want to, uh, I don't know if this is important, but sometimes I get headaches, and uh, I'm not sure if this, it takes these things and puts it in a manner that summarizes it with the gaps clearly outlined, right? And historically, it's happened to me that I've had similar discomfort like this when I was 12 or 13, but then I really have not had any significant recurrences of this up until three years ago when it started to happen more frequently. And then it happens in this manner with these aggravating circumstances and these, uh, these, these mitigating circumstances. And so what chat GPT allows one to do is take maybe 10, 20, 50, 100 portions of their complaint and summarize it down into an effective manner, which gives confidence that your story, your what you're describing is being adequately conveyed. And by the way, if it's not, you as the patient can be clear that this isn't doing the right thing. I'm going to ask it again to rephrase it. Hmm. You can do this in oh, an iterative yeah. process mm-hmm. until you're pretty happy with what it's generating. Could you have do you actually do you have your patients do this today? I do not. But I've I've gone through this where I try and get that together. I take the role of chat GPT when they tell me these 50 things, 20 things, 10 things, five things, and I summarize it and I say, oh mm-hmm. yes, okay. that sounds like this. This is what I hear. But then what I do is I add an extra piece of color. Here's what I mean. I get it. It hurts in this manner. It goes over here. And by the way, although you're not telling me this, it hurts you when I look up and over to my right. See, why don't you go ahead and do that? Does it hurt you there? Yeah. And it gets better if I look over here. So I build on their story to not only give them confidence in their story, but to also put together the diagnostic tools that go along with it. As well as the proper medical terminology, right? Correct. But the medical terminology in many ways is the last thing that we discuss or the last thing that we come to. Like herniated disc or radiculopathy are very important words in my world, mm-hmm. right. but they're not the basis of my conversation. Right. They're the end products of where, where we settle down to right. because there's all sorts of other language which carries meaning, but not necessarily a distinction for that one patient. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to be able to sort through that, in my view, is how you can get the most out of a doctor-patient relationship. Because in many ways, the physician that you're talking to is a curator of your symptoms. Right. And they're curating to understand exactly what's happening so that they can help you understand what might also happen. And then what options you have to work with it or work around it or to work to mm-hmm. solve it. Interesting. Okay. So if this is done on mass, it becomes a regular part of most doctors' practices, just like an EHR, right? For example, right? 
what are the benefits to both patients and doctors and maybe the system as a whole for this, just adding this one layer of succinctness, right? For lack of a better word. It's a great question. And there are multiple portions that I want to unpack on that. In order to answer that question, I think we have to look at this in in a couple of different formats. Right now, the system in America, because this is also different depending on where you go to, but in America, it appears as though there are there is a certain amount of cost of doing medicine, and there's a certain amount of reimbursement with medicine and because we're trying to squeeze that equation, what's happening mm-hmm. is that people are getting more limited in what they can get out of each encounter. Gone are the days when you can go to your physician and spend an hour going over all the things that you have. They have more people that are waiting and they need to be able to go through more patients to be able to serve more people so that they're able to continue to keep themselves in business, for lack of a better word, or just to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So in that area where time is now compressed, if you are more succinct in what you are able to describe and you have a similar story that you end up telling, particularly in complicated issues, you can be more, you you can achieve greater confidence in your care sooner because people are going to be sticking to the same script. Because you've not only had a chance to come up with your own idea of what what it is, ChatGPT has given you another version of it. You have then ostensibly looked at it again, came up with a third version, and then they have then looked at it again. And so this iterative process has occurred even before you came into the office. So Mm -hmm. now you're very happy with what you've done. And whenever you're asked a question, you I've already gone through what you already have an idea of what is probably salient in your in in your stuff. So your attention is now not sucked up by just what you're feeling and just what you think you want to say, but you can actually be more present in your interview. That in and of itself can potentially in, improve the quality of the interaction, improve the quality of the suggestions that are made about what might be the next step because you can be confident that everything is being looked at, because oftentimes, particularly when it comes to an area that's not clearly obvious, right? It's not my finger over here that has a cut on it. It's something that's kind of giving me these symptoms. You can be more, you can be more confident and more, and more uh, thorough. And at the end, when you go home, not have as many doubts that what you have been trying to get looked at. Well, you can also take it with you. Correct. Because you don't take your doctor. I don't get to see my doctor's notes unless you write typically. Um, So I don't have a record of what I said. Right. Or Or you have a record of what they thought you said. Yeah. Which is more important, actually, than what I actually said. Because what you hear is what matters. But if you give it to them, you say, hey, this this is what I generated. And then what it does by doing that as compared to saying, I looked on Google and this treatment was okay and this treatment was okay, this treatment was okay. The challenge there is the assumption is, is that the diagnosis that you've made is, is correct and custom fits you. But if you really want precision custom fit medicine that's unique to your individual problems, you want to have a buddy to help you curate it down. And ChatGPT could be that virtual buddy. Well, right now, what you're describing can be done today. 
And and, that, yeah. and, that's, and, and so uh, I'm going to bring in the other portions of that question, the parts of that question, which is how does it benefit the medical community? How does it benefit the system as a whole? But just this one use case for ChatGPT in particular, not even generative AI writ large, which is massive. I've been doing a little research and it's an endless list of things that it's being used for and can be used for in healthcare because it's such an inefficient system. But uh, just this one use case, just using ChatGPT, seems like it, it could uh, increase efficiency, uh, right? Uh, make interactions more impactful, uh, save time for doctors, save time for patients, maybe add more time to the patient interaction, perhaps, right? Agreed, so you, agreed. right? I, I, everything you said right now, I'm right? 100%. And then that just cascades through the system. Right. You know, until the, until the, the, you know, some business person gets a hold of it and says, well, we can squeeze in, you know, 12 more patients and then we're back to where we were. But, you know, um, uh, but ultimately it's just kind of fascinating, fascinating to me that this one simple, seemingly simple use case, uh, can have such a, a broad impact. Let me give you just a slight twist on that. Now let's reverse roles. Let's say you're the doctor and you're trying, you're going through medical school and you're learning about how to deal with patients that are scared, frustrated, and not 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 necessarily don't angry. Correct. Now ChatGPT can can work in those scenarios with you. Okay. Show me, give me these symptoms in, in someone who's angry. Give me some of these symptoms in someone who's upset, someone who's afraid. What should I be looking at? These are all generative pieces that ChatGPT in particular has I've played around with. So, so just taking down the interaction, but just being able to imagine a slightly different variation mm-hmm. helps me to know what is not being said, mm. which allows me to serve greater where things are. Like on the one hand, you come in with your complaints and the only way that I can really figure out of what you're not saying, like why aren't you scared about going paralyzed with surgery or why aren't you scared about the needle that might that we might need use to draw blood from you? If I'm going through that decision-making process, I'm thinking I need the needle to get the blood so I can make the diagnosis. So we're looking at the same issue, but we're looking at two different facets. And if I can't walk in your shoes, mm-hmm. but I have war gamed or role played all of those areas before, now my training is that much more robust. And I'm not just looking at what my mentor told me, mm-hmm. but now I have the entire the entire knowledge base of chat GPT telling me this, which is by, that's like, that's not a mentor. That's a mentor on massive steroids. Do you right. see what I'm trying to say? So, so there, sure. yeah. there are so many, so many different ways of being able to just unpack. And we haven't even gotten to diagnosis right. and treatment. I'm right, just talking right. about just like, right. like so the truth is is that this topic of AI and medicine or AI and in, in, in office visits mm-hmm. is we're just scratching the surface. Right. Really, really are just scratching the surface. Well, we haven't talked about the, I mean, I don't know if you want to shift gears and talk about the actual process um, of the doctor's office and how they they operate and, you know, just streamlining some of that would be tremendous, but there's a lot of different ways to do it without AI. So I don't know if we want to go down that road. I'm not an expert in I can certainly, I mean, I can tell you about some of our backend processes and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some basic, simple examples. And we are not using AI there just yet. Okay. Right. But there are options of using AI, but where those, 
where we are in AI now versus where we will be with AI in another few years is going to be a totally different scenario. And right. so it's going to, it's going to be very, very different. I'll give you an example. Let's, let's look at a very simple thing like dictation, right? Backend office pr- process. I have to dictate something. I have to dictate a note. Years ago, say 10, I would dictate a note into a dictaphone. My transcriptionist would type that note and I would have errors in my note. My errors in the note would be that I would say, uh, um, uh, um, right? Or I would say something and then repeat it four sentences later. Or I would say something in my train of thought, but I wouldn't coalesce it as succinctly as it could be. Mm-hmm. My transcriptionist would then take down what I talked about. And then when I would repeat a thought, she would see that I already repeated it. So there was no reason for her to put another line in. And so my explanation would be more, more coherent. And I would proofread that later. What has happened since that time is that now I have to dictate a note. And when I dictate a note, I have to write and edit at the same time. Because I have to say what I'm saying and have to read what's on the screen. And if there is an error, because it didn't. You don't have a transcriptionist anymore. Correct. Okay. So now I'm, I'm dictating and editing at the same time. And by the way, mm-hmm. I have to do that at the hospital and I have to do that at the, at the office. But the softwares are two different softwares. So they're not learning from each other. And the mm-hmm. softwares are static. They're not iterative in the cloud mm-hmm. where they're self-correcting. So the same mistakes tend to occur because my, pa- my thought patterns are the same. What I have now is a built-in disincentive to be able to dictate longer. Because if someone has a complex diagnosis or complex rationale as to why I'm thinking what I'm thinking, all the nuances are not going to come out. Because every time I suggest a nuance, there's going to be an error. I have to edit that error. When I'm editing that error, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. Right. Finally, what happens is if... If I do go through all the nuances and I dictate this paragraph and I have to now re-edit it, I'm going to fly through reading that because I already know that this rhymes with what I'm Mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pick up some of my errors. Yeah, it's impossible. You can't edit your own work unless it sits for three days and you don't have that luxury. Because you need the ability to use a different brain. Right, right. And that's the challenge. So... So it tells you how we used to do it better before because we had a built-in we had a built-in sort of error detection person where where they did that. We had and, an editor, and, basically. Correct. Yeah. And and then we came back in and then we re-edited our own work. Right. But now- And so an editor that learned as well. So a medical transcriptionist is a, was a specialty. I don't know if they exist anymore, right? Correct. Or, or, or not as much as before. So you get the idea. So, yeah. so we're kind of coming in that scenario. So if you move that, just that process and you apply AI- Regenerative AI to that. Right. Look at what you can potentially generate. You can you can detect errors quicker. Now these are not massive well, errors, but they're well. Errors. But small yeah. errors lead to big problems always, yeah. especially yeah, sure. if they cascade, right? And and you know big, major, yeah, right. Major yeah. system failures usually start with a very small error. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Cascade, especially in design and things like that. But yeah. Um, well, here, you know, and, and that's where I see these things going, generative AI in particular going, uh, once you give it the, the, some foundation model, right? Mm-hmm. Large language model. Right. But once you give it the specialty knowledge, air quotes around knowledge, yes. because these yes, things are yes. not smart. 
but it it then it has the ability to this ability to actually interact with the machine and have it understand you and I, the way we speak, as quickly as we speak, our dialects, our accents, and to accurate accurately interpret what we're saying and then feed that back with maybe some edits, right? And, and in a slightly right? different manner. And then your error detection goes way up. Right. Right? For your personal error detection. Correct. Because, okay. because the challenge with AI that we see now, and I don't know how long this is going to go, is the hologram, is, is the hallucination. Hallucin- yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the reason you're not going to use it for diagnosis. Right. 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 But, but those hallucinations know. can get out of hand very quickly. Right. Uh, so, but, but to be fair, specialty AI is being used today to diagnose breast cancer. Right? I mean, it's absolutely being used in radiology, but it's, they're very specialized programs. It's not a general purpose AI, which is what we're referring to. What right, we're right. talking about. So, yeah, that the AGI that uh, I, I forget uh, what that is. Uh, like. Artificial general, general intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's not here. <laughs> that's not here, and that's what everybody's cons- and, and, and that's Consum- the yeah. cause of concern. Right. And, and maybe we get there, maybe we don't. I don't know enough about that. But um, what I do know, what I do know, is that with this tool, we need to make sure that we become even better at curating than we've always been, because. Mm-hmm. That's really where we're going to be able to outshine, where we take information and have it, for lack of a better word, process it and edit it down to essential chunks so mm-hmm. that we make some very good key distinctions at these super patterns. And it's very possible, Alan, that we may come up with different ways of teaching people how to interact with people because they come up with all of these sort of super edited chunks to us so that we're able to what do you mean errors and patterns so for example if i come in with a edited down version of my problems okay right. and yep. i give it to you my skill right now may be to for me to clarify those problems but maybe now my skill in this situation is to say well what about these scenarios and maybe we work out maybe the out maybe the conversation takes on a whole different whole different pattern because mm-hmm. the stuff that we were doing before is no longer needed. We still need to further identify and understand subtle nuances that we weren't able to understand before. And I think that those new skills and that 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 sort of that second level adaptation to what AI is going to force us to do is still the um the uh the book is being written on that still as 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 we as as well i know that's that's what happens right i have enough experience in doctor's offices with very serious conditions uh that you guys get there but it's just you know to that second level third level of of drilling down into but you know this first pass i think is is kind of what you're referring to which is let's let's get through that first blush that first interaction as quickly and as as accurately as possible so we can get to level two maybe in the same appointment right Right. and optimize that optimize that interaction maybe not so and then you decide well you know maybe after talking to you for five more minutes that test isn't the right test correct correct Correct. exactly or maybe maybe i need to tweak that test and maybe i need you to do this at the same time to make sure i get more out of that test right okay and that's just today you can do that is what we're talking about correct. correct Correct. This isn't even specialty stuff that's being used to. I got a chart up here from Boston Consulting Group: Accelerate Drug Discovery. That's happening today. Precision medicine 
uh, therapies that's happening today. Patient screening, on-demand personal care, automated document processing, the EHR stuff, right? That's the back office. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You guys still use fax machines. Mm -hmm. Or a computer that access a fax machine. Oh my gosh, right? But still, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, it, it, there's just a very long list and these are just the ones and they got like 12 others that are in, you know, in process and or someone's coming up with a good idea around it, and especially around drug discovery, modeling molecules, things like that. Right. Um, uh, you know, the it just the, the use cases for this type of technology just are seem endless. Right. Particularly so. for sure. right? for sure. in, in, in a system that is as complicated as healthcare. Right, right. And, and what I think we're going to be, if you take a play, if you take a page out of the playbook of, I think there was a, um, there are a couple of, there are a couple of examples that really stand out to me. There's one of uh, the Go player, the Go champion, yeah. um, um, who played up, up against an AI Go. I've, I've it was been, a dedicated system, but yeah, it was still considered almost impossible for a computer to beat them, but they did. Yeah. Yeah, and and the way that they beat them, if I if I remember this correctly, they made a move forty seven moves before winning that was odd, and it ended up being the the, the winning ended up sending a cascade <laughs> that, that sent the win. And I think that's to me that's where I get I get really excited and 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 really fascinated that there may be ways for us to find things way before they get to a critical mass mm-hmm. and, and without going on rabbit trails, right? Yeah. Because it's so easy for us to be fooled by noise. The question yeah. is, is it, can we take noise and make it into signal at a much earlier place in someone's, in someone's trajectory of them going through a certain problem? And I think that oh, that's, okay. that's going to be... But- yeah. I think that's going to be, and that may be as simple as: Are there certain patterns in your diction, speech, behavior that are helping us to see that this may be going in in in, in a specific correction? For example, when somebody gets up out of the seated position. I can tell pretty quickly within a tenth or a tenth or so of a second if they're able to get through most of their daily lives, be able to get mm-hmm. up and interact with things and things of that nature. And it's really not. It's a very subtle thing that I can't see quantified, but I know someone's posture pretty much pretty quickly of where things are. See, at the end of the day, in my view, my role, my goal, my reason for doing what I do is to be able to serve my patients. But in reality, it's a little bit of that, and it's a lot of making music together, meaning all I'm trying to do is be in a collaborative, synthesizing kind of a scenario. And if you look at how individuals and groups come together and where they have like these like like these breakthrough experiences or these or these massive mm-hmm. improvements it's really when they are in sync with one another they have a good conversation and they're able to bounce off of each other without reading a script i'm saying use the 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 chat gpt or the generative large language models as a stepping stone to make music with your physician because at the end of the day that's where i think your interaction can outperform and it can leave you being at the physician's office be a being a good part of your day where you're actually making progress as compared to being a miserable part of your day because you're waiting in line for someone that's going to see you before you wait for two hours, you get seen for five minutes, you come home and you 
have a hundred questions and you're not really sure where to go. I would love to be able to get that together in a manner that's easy for you, the patient, you, the consumer, and for every interaction to be so fruitful that both parties are thrilled that they came away with it better for the interaction. Well, I'm sure you go home at night thinking about many of your interactions with many of your patients throughout the day. And and I'm sure some of those you think you probably could have done better and you probably could have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is a way to, to, to aid both parties, both sides, making your job better outcomes, better patients lives, hopefully, uh, less stressful. Well, clarity, there's so much with clarity, right? And this helps get the clarity quicker. Right, right. I really okay. do think so. As long as everybody does the work ahead of time, for sure. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Shaw, thank you. Uh, we're on the 45. We're a little bit over, so I want to make sure we're cognizant of time. But thank you very much. It's been a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and we only just talked about one conversation. <laughs> I know. I know. One aspect <laughs> of it, right? So, well, give me a shout anytime if you want to come back. Yeah, I, listen, I'm happy to. As you can see, I love talking about the stuff. Yeah. I think this is this is fascinating. And and I think that as things change, yeah, look us up. I mean, you know, you know how to get in touch with me. But um okay. yeah, I think this is this is amazing stuff. And Absolutely. what you're doing, the questions you're asking, spot on. Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well have a good day. Yep, you too. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and check out our other shows. You can find Inside DT on all the major hosting platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Google. Talk to you soon. Bye.